The NFL draft is just around the corner. You know what that means, guys. Dynasty player values. Some are going to go up. Some are going to go down. We've got a huge show today. We've got Jeremy from FTN Fantasy. Let's get to it. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. What is up, Fantasyland? We're back in the district, back-to-back nights. Last night, we did a 125 buy-in on the FFPC. Dan, myself, Andrew crushed best ball. Played for 25K, Dan, last night. How fun was that, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. Especially fun having uh, Bip and Vince on there as well. So we had uh, we had two teams that were drafting live on the same podcast. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So somebody tweeted today how, the, how much they love our show and how much they love that show, but how give, giving suggestions on how to talk about the players we're selecting from the all, all you hear the whole show is I like one, I like two, I like five, I like seven, I like eight. You know, so he's like maybe we yeah. find another way. But that was a challenge. Hopefully, you guys got a lot of it, a lot out of it, guys. Go check it out if you haven't. Theo, we've got another big dynasty show tonight. We've got the NFL draft just around the corner. You're actually heading down there with the player profiler crew, which is awesome. So, I mean, you know what that means, man. We're in Dynasty, the ripple effect, right? What's the ripple effect? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We've got a huge guest. Why don't you walk him in proper and let's get this thing started. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited that we have Jeremy Popolars in from, from FTN. This is actually our fourth FTN guest this year. Uh, we had that, Vlad Selder. Uh, we had Scott Spratt, Nelson Sousa, a friend of ours and, and a co-manager of mine. And now we have Jeremy. I really enjoyed Jeremy's written content. I also enjoy what he's putting out there in Twitter. Um, and I, I reached out to him. I said, Jeremy, let's chop it up for some Dynasty. And then I sent him the longest show sheet I could ever put together. So, <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? I, I've seen longer sheets. So maybe if that makes you feel better. But I'm, it's I'm long enough. Well, it's long know? enough. I, we're, we're, less, we're a week away from the draft here. I'm uh, I'm overly excited. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you would know that I enjoy rookies. I enjoy the prospect profiling. I enjoy the entire process of the draft. Um, and I'm excited because it's always fun to kind of talk about, like, what we're going to talk about now, you know, and that just kind of that, that worrisome of some fantasy managers heading into the draft, depending on players you already roster and that potential that you might end up with a bust over or you could end up with the bag and have the boom and that guy that's going to look like he has a huge potential to be a good good asset this year so 
Two sides to every coin. I'll tell you two horror stories. One is Dan Williamson sitting on his couch two years ago in Minnesota thinking about a couple of James Robinson shares that he has still. Dan sold off a few of them, made some – made some. I know Dan cashed in on a few of those James Robinson uh, shares, but sitting back and relaxing, and then Jacksonville says the name Travis Etienne. And then a little less horrific, but JD was practically a Michael Carter stan about a year ago. And Michael Carter was heading to the dead zone until a young guy named Brees Hall was was selected on on day two. So it happens every single year. I think that this is this is when we talk about the dynasty rookie drafts and we talk about the draft itself. We've been doing this for months, Dan, months, JD, where we've talked to guests about the rookies they like. Uh, you know, where do you have this guy? Where do you rank Bijan Robinson in, in context and dynasty rankings overall? All kinds of stuff like that. But today we're going to look at some of the veterans. Um, I'm really stoked to have Jeremy here for it. Jeremy, before we get started, tell everybody about the written work you're putting out and also the podcast you're putting out. Yeah, so I mean, I have a weekly Dynasty uh, stock article over at FTN Fantasy. It's kind of whatever fits the mold that week I decided to talk about. Just talked about a couple under-the-radar running backs for this year's draft. Um, I also kind of cover some of that news. Um, I'm going to have more, obviously, once the season starts to turn in for him. I uh, can write for redraft as well. To me, when I play Dynasty, every year is still a redraft league. So I, I'll have that stuff over there. Um, I also have all my Dynasty rankings. Um, I have a Superflex big board over there as well, which is the top 50 rookies that I have this year for Superflex. Um, and then I also have, like you had mentioned, Theo, the uh, FTN Dynasty podcast. Me and my co-host, Adam Pfeiffer, um, have been chopping that up, pretty much breaking down 30 to 40-minute episodes of more of the bigger named type of kind of prospects coming out. Um, we got the running backs and or quarterbacks and tight ends to finish up this week. Going to be cutting it close, but we'll get them in there. So. so just before we get started into these veterans, what is your general take on this running back class? Are you excited about this class? Just your general takeaways, Jeremy. Yeah, I think the class is probably – I think it's deeper – than the past couple seasons, um, I wouldn't say it's probably going to produce a ton of high-end fantasy assets. Um, I think you might end up seeing a lot of running back two, running back three type of players, um, which is kind of not the worst thing. Um, but I think it's a little bit less exciting than what we had hoped for. I think some of these guys coming into the season, we had bigger hopes and dreams for. They kind of flared out slash flamed out there in college in their final season or didn't really live up to what we hoped for. Then they even at that, you know, didn't put up the best pro day numbers and or combine numbers, you know, I'm going to single out a guy I love in Zach Evans, kind of tanked his way down the, the boards. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a class that's pretty deep. Um, I think draft capital is going to kind of weed out everybody outside of Gigi Robinson and Junior Gibbs. Um, I think Charbonnet is close to being in that category as well. But after that, I think draft capital kind of weeds them out and kind of helps us navigate how and we should be valuing these guys and potentially going to affect who we're going to talk about with the veterans um, as far as what we think their potential could be. So I think it's a good class, but I'm not – I don't think it's like – we'll for, use, for example, like 2020. I think 2020's class was a little better. You know, you're getting JT, um, CEH, DeAndre Swift, um, Antonio Gibson. Like I think that class might have been a little bit – better than I think what we'll get this year when we were thinking this year might have been a little bit better than a year like that yeah I mean for me I'm, I'm excited a little bit more excited than you are I think about this running back class 
Uh, I think that, you know, obviously we have the extreme quality at the top. And then I think that a lot of those guys maybe that we're projecting to be on the RB2, RB3 line, and all it takes is a few things to go their way. And you're talking about high-end RB2 production, maybe some RB1 years. So I think it could be kind of a perfect storm in terms of it's could be a transformative year because I think a lot of these guys are going to get drafted in the second, third, and fourth round. And you have a lot of aging running backs at the same time. So I'm pretty excited. Dan, what's your overall take with this running back class? Yeah, I'm, I'm real interested to see what the NFL thinks of it, you know, and exactly how many uh, round two and round three guys we get out of this. I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, Jeremy kind of alluded to that, but I think that's going to tell us a lot about this class. Uh, you know, and as we, as we know, most NFL teams are no longer going with a bell cow anyway. So, you know, if, you, if you're looking at this class going, you know, I, yeah, uh, you know, player X, player Y, whatever is going gonna, is gonna to be a bell cow for me. I mean, it's Bijan, and that's pretty much it. The rest of them are probably committee backs, at least to start. Maybe one or two of them can end up working themselves into a bell cow row and, you know, a year or two down the road, but I don't see it happening this year for sure. J.D.? Yeah, for me, I'm like you, Theo. I'm excited about this draft just because I like drafting running backs. For me, there's a lot more at the running back position that I want to be drafting versus, let's say, the receiver position. Um, when I look down the board, there's at least eight guys that I want on my in, on my depth, especially the way I build my dynasty teams. I want deep running back um, benches. You know, these guys are you guys know how you manage the running back position different than than other positions. So if you if you go top heavy at the receiver position, you love this draft. If you if you like, you know, these running backs to add depth to your running back, like you said, Dan, probably limited with how many workhorse running backs there's one maybe two uh probably four we'll get out of this maybe there's some magic that happens a couple like lucky landing spots opportunities injuries that kind of thing but i'm a little more excited about the running back position than say the the receiver position in this year's draft and then jeremy i just want to follow up with you um i'm (laughs) bullish on jameer gibbs Uh we've had some but he's a slightly polarizing 199 sort of we don't necessarily need him to land in a perfect spot, but we'd like him to land with a pocket passer. Is he the sort of player that you're going to devalue or or increase his value based on landing spot, or do you just believe in the talent? And and what do you think he is? Like, what do you think his his upside is? So when we did uh, our podcast, I had mentioned Jameer Gibbs. I, there has been a lot of talk of like people wanting to comp him to Elvin Kamara. Um, and although he has good contact balance, um, he's not Elvin Kamara. Fifteen pounds. Um, I think. I think he's a little bit more of the Aaron. There's Jones a big, there's mold. a big difference at that position. Yeah, I think he's a little bit more Aaron Jones's mold. Um, he's a little bit better, I think, overall athlete. Um, when the numbers break down and he's probably a little bit better route runner than Aaron Jones is. But I think if you're looking for a ceiling, it's like Aaron Jones, you know, like he gave us a really good season, um, a good couple seasons there in green Bay in a good system. And I think that's what we're hoping for with Jameer Gibbs. Um, I do think that he's a pretty good runner in between the tackles. I think overall that the talent is a little bit better for a guy though. That's five foot nine, one nine. 99. I mean, you could hope for Austin Eckler as well. You know what I mean? He's kind of in that area in that range of pr- potential like ceilings um i mean obviously his floor is is kind of like 
I don't know, we could say, you know, like a Kenneth Gainwell or something to that effect ultimately. Um, but I do think he's a little bit better of a runner than that stereotypical, like under 200 pound kind of pass catching style back. Um, but I, there's a spot I really like. Um, I, I sent out a tweet earlier today of like, if the running backs get drafted these spots, how would it go? Like, I really think I have my eye on Cincinnati at like 28. Yeah. That would be like Jameer Gibbs is like solidified it too. Um, the only player I think that could really pass Gibbs would be like Charbonnet and it would have to be like the perfect landing spot. And I don't even know necessarily where that is right now. Um, but like, is that with your bills or is that, yeah. where is that? Nah. I think yeah. James Cook would be too much. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I think, is yeah. good for, for yeah. a lot of these guys right now. I actually had Charbonnet at Arizona in that tweet. I really like that good spot. Too. Do you know what I mean? James Conner, yeah, year one, maybe not so much for Charbonnet, just because Conner's still going to be sticking around. But I do think that once um, Conner would move on, Charbonnet's proven he can be a pass catcher and a um, kind of handle that every down workload. So I would think Arizona's a really nice spot just because they have that clear need for what could be a really a, a full three down type workload, which we don't get often anymore. So Arizona would make it really tough. Um, I would think he would move closer to Gibbs. Um, but if Gibbs lands in Cincinnati and say Charbonnet's in Arizona, it's still Gibbs for me, just because I think that Cincinnati spot's a really nice spot, depending on everything that falls out with Joe Mixon and stuff like that. So he's pretty solidified it too for me. I mean, it would take, like I said, everything to fall right and like it would almost be like gibbs falls to like a weird landing spot where he's battling like another like say like gibbs or gibbs lands with like dallas you know where he's basically tony pollard again like so you're like battling that same role and charbonnet ends up in like cincinnati like then i would probably bump charbonnet over gibbs but i think gibbs is still a little bit better than charbonnet as far as the tiers go so i think it's kind of Bijan, gibbs charbonnet they're close but like not and why don't you round out round out your top five running backs, Jeremy, and then we'll get Dan's top five running backs. Yeah, so it's Bijan, obviously, Gibbs, Charbonnet. Then I actually have Tank Bigsby. Um, and then five is kind of a tie. I'm going to go with Zach Evans, though. Um, I know the NFL doesn't love Zach Evans. Not a lot of people do, but that's kind of where I'm at. It's those five right now. Dan? Yeah, I got Bijan, number one. Uh, Gibbs is a very reluctant number two. Um, I'd love to see Charbonnet pass him up uh but that's gonna probably take you know as jeremy said uh the, the right landing spot and also be reasonably close in draft capital um izzy abaconda uh is number four for me and roshan is number five yeah i mean for me i'm i'm on the same top three as you jeremy uh it's roshan i think is gonna land in the second round and I think that he's got the profile where I, I think I'm going to push him up to four. Five becomes difficult. I really like Abanacanda. I really like Devin A. Chain. I think your your take Bigsby call is interesting. I know Cody Carpenter is also on him at Player Profiler. He's he's kind of got a little bit of the Damian Pierce to him, where he's mm -hmm. an SEC back with size that people just kind of forget about, and he might end up in the early fourth. So I think five for me is kind of kind of up in the air at this point. But if everything lands correctly, it's, it's got to be a Banacanda, Dan. I think with that athleticism and, and explosiveness, 20 years old, it's probably him. But I think that the there's some guys behind that I'm really excited about. That's why, I'm, you know, this, this class is difficult to rank. I think it'll be easier to rank after we know the landing spots, obviously. J.D., your early top five. 
Yeah, similar first three. Uh, Roshan, I recently moved up just because it, it sounds like he, like you said, Theo, he's he's going to go earlier, uh, I would say. But between him and Abinikanda, I would say whoever, you know, gets gets the better landing spot or has the better draft capital. The other name I'll throw in there, I love the tank call. I've got him at six right now. Wait, two, four, six. I've got him at seven right now. The other guy I have in there is Kendry Miller. That I really like to five eleven two fifteen big big play burst guy three down size you know he can catch the ball doesn't need a big hole and kind of reminds me a bit of Lev Bell uh, just the way he plays behind the line there. So let's dive into it, guys. Every single like this year we had a, a pretty big turnover in the free agents, and now we think there's going to be a lot of running backs drafted. We brought up the, do they go in the, the third and fourth round? Do they go in the second and third round? At this point, we don't know, but we know that there's going to be a lot of them selected. Let's talk about some of these running backs and our confidence level in them for Dynasty. I think the first name might surprise some people, but we all sort of have some trepidations about Travis Etienne. We'll start out with Jeremy. Travis Etienne, your thoughts on him as a Dynasty asset and the sort of back that Jacksonville could add that could make you nervous for as an ETN manager. So yeah, with Travis ETN, I think that there's some, some not necessarily full on confidence from the Jaguars at this moment. Um, Travis ETN obviously was kind of coming off an injury last season. He kind of had some really good moments in there. He also had some bad moments at times, but they kind of proved and showed to us that they kind of want to, supplement him somewhatly um whether it was james robinson early in the year snoop connor got some touches um jamichael hasty rolled through there so i do think that the jaguars are going to bring somebody in um and i think honestly it's going to be the guys like you kind of mentioned there you guys are talking about roshan johnson i think is a really good option potentially there it's going to be one of those big kind of bruiser backs whether that's roshan Dwayne mcbride um jd like you said kendra miller one of those bigger guys that can kind of handle maybe the early down work and Travis Etienne kind of becomes a third down, maybe sees some second first down work at times. Um, I just think that Travis Etienne is going to be kind of a 50-50 style, maybe 60-40 split as far as the backfield touches go um, for Doug Peterson and the Jaguars. Additionally, you see they brought in Calvin Ridley, who's going to be there. Obviously, we don't know exactly how good Calvin Ridley is going to be, but now you've got Ridley, Kirk, Zay Jones, who kind of broke out. You've got Evan Ingram back there. You've got an offense with Trevor Lawrence that's looking to throw the ball and be explosive. Now, that doesn't mean that that's terribly bad news for ETN, but ETN didn't see a lot of red zone touches. And so for me, if they bring in a guy that's like Roshan or one of those bigger bodied guys, um, Snoop Connor is definitely going to lose his job probably to one of those guys. Yeah. And uh, it's going to lose a lot for ETN's ceiling. I don't think ETN's a bad dynasty asset. I'm not saying trade away Travis ETN. But I would say trade away Travis Etienne if somebody thinks he's a top 10 back and they're going to pay that. Um, I just don't think that he's a top 10 dynasty asset. I just think that they're going to try and replace him. He's going to kind of fall into that third down-ish role, but like a little bit better. It's a lack of targets that concerns me. They bring in Ridley and, you know, Trevor Lawrence is taking a a step forward. Um, He's got very good wide receivers and he's got a very good tight end. And they have showed that they don't target Travis Etienne. Doug Peterson's even joked around about bringing in all these running backs. I mean, he wants to do it. Dan, your thoughts on Etienne. And Dan, maybe give us, 
if you're an FFPC manager, a potential picks trade you would take for ETN right now? All right. So, yeah, ETN, I think, number one, you got to keep in mind that Doug Peterson has traditionally been more of a committee uh, back coach. You know, he prefers to have a committee. Uh, with ETN, I am kind of keeping an open mind on the, the targets. Um, you know, sometimes coaches don't like to put everything on a, a player's plate in the first year. And last year was really kind of his first year. I mean, you know, he had a, a year of meetings and whatnot. Uh, while he was on IR, but then, you know, this is this is the first year that he's actually been playing this past year. So I I think it's possible that ETN could see a, a bump up in targets and he could become the guy that we thought he was. Uh, but if they add a, anybody with any significant draft capital, um, you know, especially in a two-down banger role, that's going to probably cut down on uh, how many touchdowns he can score and, you know, cut him back to definitely more of an RB2 worst case scenario, RB3 type scenario. And as far as picks, I mean, in this draft, I think I'd probably 105, something like that, um, might be what I'd be looking at for ETN. I think you can get more than that though, Dan. Like, I think if that's, yep. that speaks volumes to like, like Dan, I think you could probably get more. So like Dan's putting them at the 105 for evaluation. That should just tell you all you need to know about Travis ETN in terms of, you know, where he is on like the, the true totem pole of elite dynasty assets. JD, your thoughts on ETN? Are you bullish on him right now? Are you bearish? Yeah. I mean, it's, if you're just looking at last year's stats uh, and you guys mentioned it, it's hard to, but let's remember he's coming off of Lids Frank. Uh, He injured it in the preseason 2021, missed the whole season. So it's his first season back. It was the first uh, season with this offense or this team with, you know, a coach and, and some success and, uh, you know, learning an offense that he's actually going to stay in for more than a season when you're talking about Lawrence. So you got to like everything about this offense when you, the targets do worry me, uh, Theo, when you look at his stats, he was averaging about three and he's about the, the tight end 22, I believe when it comes to targets. But if you look at his snap shares uh, earlier in the season, he's got more like of those 40, 50% snap shares where more in the back end, you see a lot of more of, you know, the 80, 70%, even 90% snap share. So you see him a lot more involved. Dwayne McFarland talks about the 20 touch, the 20 plus touches, uh, which, you, which you want from your top running back. And, you know, as long as he can get a bit more targets, um, he, he was getting that last year. So with regards to the 20 plus. So I think that as we see this offense evolve, we're going to see a Tens role evolve, like Dan said, uh, going into really his second season when you think about it. This one, people love talking about. It's kind of a litmus test. Jeremy, where are you at on Tony Pollard? Gets franchise tagged, RB8 overall last year. Zeke is out of the way, but he gets the tag. So we don't have long-term knowledge about his contract situation. And does Dallas spend an early pick on a running back, whether it's, you know, day one or day two? I'm not overly worried even if they spend that. Um, I mean, we saw Zeke was, you know, their pride and joy, and they were giving him a lot of touches for a while. Obviously, Pollard kind of overtook him partway through the season last year. So for me with Tony Pollard, I just – I'm a little bit more in on Tony Pollard. I like the offense a little bit better. I think that he has likely a a more important role – than Travis Etienne and an offense that's maybe a little bit more keen on using that running back and kind of his role um, to supplement the pass game. So for me, I think that 
I would probably put Pollard and ETN kind of in that same category, even though Pollard doesn't have that security in a contract. I think no matter what, even if he leaves Dallas, I mean, most roles and most teams in the NFL would use Pollard in a very similar way that Dallas does. So him leaving wouldn't really worry me just because he did it on such limited touches to begin with. So for me, I think that I'm a little bit more in on Pollard than ETN, even though there isn't a long-term contract in place. And I think you could make that pivot, Jeremy. I think you could pivot from ETN to the Tony Pollard manager and get Pollard plus for ETN. Yeah, in a lot I, of definitely. Right now. Especially before the draft. 100%. Dan, your thoughts on Pollard? Yeah, I, I, I pretty much see it the same as Jeremy. I think he's, um, you know, he's not going to be in any worse of a role than he was last year. Uh, so, you know, his valuation really hasn't gone up as much as you might think. Um, everybody seems to be kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I'm fine with him where, right where he's at. Um, I'd be a buyer if somebody's offering him to me at value right now. So that's kind of where I'm at. And what would be a pick for Tony Pollard, uh, Dan, since you're a buyer? What would be a pick you'd be willing to give up to get Tony Pollard? I'll just put it out there. I had a, I have a 105 Pollard manager sniffing around my 105 non-super flex. How much more would I need with Pollard, or do you think that's about a decent pivot? Trading away Pollard for the 105, I would trading away the 105 for Pollard. I oh, I would trade away the 105 for Pollard. Absolutely, I, 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 I put him at about the 103. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Jeremy, what about you? Jeremy, you would be about yeah, that. Yeah, and one quarterback, I would at one five, I'd be like, give me Tony Pollard all day, just because one quarterback, there's a significant drop off. I mean, you're talking. Right. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Bijan, Gibbs, if he's in your taste zone, and then maybe JSN. Like, I mean, after that, you're really you're swinging for hopes and dreams. And I mean, there's a lot of guys I like, but you're really swinging. I mean, Tony Pollard's proven. So anywhere, even like you said, I mean, one three, one five, anywhere in there, I'd be gladly taking Tony Pollard for that pick. I like the I like the ETN Pollard pivot idea. Even though I came up with it myself, I think it's a good idea. Uh, JD, your, your thoughts on, on our boy Tony Pollard? Yeah, the biggest difference, I feel it's it's easier to be more confident in, in Pollard just because he's shown us, like, he was he gave us a 37-point week last year. Like, he gave us some, some top six weeks, you know what I mean? Like, some week-winning uh, production, even with Zach there in that offense. So you got to think now with, with Zeke on, I think I said Zach, uh, Zeke on, the thing that worries me with both of these running backs that we're talking about is the depth behind them, right? That's when there's no depth behind them. It, you see, you look at a guy like Aaron Jones. The reason I like taking Aaron Jones in the third right now in best balls is because the guy, I know what, what to expect. I know that AJ Dillon's there and I know how that offense works. And if anything, now with uh, Rogers gone, you'd think that they're going to rely more on the run game. Whereas with these teams that have one guy, even though we think that could be the guy, you got to think they're going to add another piece. Yes, there's only two, three, maybe four that we think is coming out of this draft class. But, you know, like we're, we're talking about these guys for a reason, right, Theo? There's, there's, there's risk, I think, in any of these guys that we talk about tonight at this time of year. I think Jeremy made a good point. Like Gibbs to Dallas would be the one that would really hurt Pollard because you'd lose potentially the receiving aspect. But I think Dallas adding a thumper like a Roshan with that late second round pick wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing at all for Pollard because it keeps him fresh. Um, you know, he's not going to be uh, – he's never going to be a Derrick Henry. He's he's a different kind of back. And I think and that, I think, you know, being attached to a thumper is a good thing for him. 
I think Dallas might not go super early. I know yeah. there's talks they want like Bijan, but if you're really into looking for like a thumper type of role, like the later portion of this draft, like rounds five, six, seven, there's a good group of like bigger size thumper first, second down type of runners that you're not going to have to pay a ton of draft capital for and get, you know, a pretty good production for them to come in and spell Pollard. You know, we're going to talk, you could talk about like Evan Hall, you know, Lou Nichols, um, Ibrahim, Chris Rodriguez. Like, I mean, you could start naming names left and right for some bigger guys that could kind of fill that role. So I, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if like Dallas waits a little bit and like you see a day three guy go there who could have decent value. Um, but I think it's going to keep Pollard a little bit higher as far as our hopes for him go. Another factor, Theo, I want to just add that we didn't really talk about is let's remember that McCarthy's going to be running this offense this year. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm old, Dan, and, you know, I've been playing this game for a long time. I remember him being kind of annoying for running backs in Green Bay. Was that not was that not the fact uh, when he was running the offense? Uh, at, at, at times a little bit. I mean, the main thing is, is, you know, they they brought on Schottenheimer for the O.C., and it's just going to be a slow offense, uh, almost certainly slower than it was last year, and that's going to that's going to cut down on the number of attempts total, most likely, unless they play really really good ball control. From our boy Jared Smola, in games Tony Pollard has topped a fifty percent snap rate. It's eleven games. He's averaged nineteen point two PPR points per game. So uh, we're we're really hoping that it's the, the just no Bijan, and I think everybody would be happy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, one player who I'm high on was a third-round selection last year. We were getting him in our non-superflex rookie draft somewhere around the 201, Rashad White. He survived free agency. Leonard Fournette gone, and they only bring in Chase Edmonds. The offense is going to take a step down for sure, but people are still getting a little bit excited about Rashad White. Jeremy, how nervous are you about Rashad White seeing increased competition through the draft. I think hundred percent. He's going to, um, I think the bucks are definitely bringing somebody in. I, I think they like Rashad white. Rashad white gives them an aspect to their backfield. They want, um, which is kind of the receiving style, maybe come in here, there, there and get some carries. Um, but I don't think they're ready to give Rashad white that whole workload. Um, and I think they're going to go pretty early. I think they're a candidate to see somebody in the second or third round. And I think um, a guy that I'd really like to see there is like Roshan, um, a little bit of that thumper that can maybe still play some passing work. Um, the worry with Roshan is is that he is such a good pass blocker that that could hurt Rashad White um, more than others, um, just because they might want him on there on third downs to be that pass blocker as well. Um, so I think you're hoping that it isn't Rashawn Johnson, but I would like him in Tampa. Um, but I think they bring somebody like that again, kind of how we talked with Tony Pollard, um, one of those kind of thumper early one, two down guys and let white play the third down type of role. And I think if Bijan's there at 19 and they don't have to move up for him, I think they're taking Bijan. I think there's a lot yeah. of juice there in Tampa. I, I personally think he'll be gone before then. Um, but I think that that would be like the nightmare scenario. Dan Rashad, Rashad White, White, yeah, <laughs> it would be all, it would be horrible. It would just be horrible. Dan, I'll throw out a trade. Dan, Rashad White or Aaron Jones, you take the younger back or an older aging back because that trades out there in some of these FFPC leagues. Right, right now I'm going to take Aaron Jones if I'm if I'm a contender. Just got to. But, yeah, you know, 
that you know again that could change after the draft you know if if Tampa really doesn't do much at running back you know they draft a day three guy who's more of a thumper um I I could maybe get behind Rashad White but again I think if I'm a contender um I'd rather just have the sure thing and uh, Aaron Jones I also think Rashad White, Dan, like, do you think he's the kind of guy you would trade away or you try to use him as part of a package to move up or to get a better asset? Yeah, I think probably use him as part of a package is where you're going to get the best value for him. Um, it's it's hard for me to say I have, like, zero Rashad White in Dynasty. I, I, I've got I'm White. the opposite of Theo. I've got White in the uh, the triflex that I that I keep telling you guys where I've got the 105, 106, and the 109, and I've tried to pair him up with the 109. I've tried to upgrade from him. The thing you got to like from White is getting 58 targets as a rookie yep. in last mm-hmm. year, but that's with Brady. You're worried about the offense in Tampa, but because he can catch the ball and he's getting t- targeted, that kind of balances it out because you got to think that offense is going to have to throw. They're, they don't have a big arm, you know, back there at quarterback, so a lot of those targets should go to White. You've got to think that they're going to bring in a guy that's going to compliment him, maybe replace the, the four, you know, maybe more of that uh, Zeke Fournette, like old man, uh, goal lane kind of guy. But the worry is the offense, right? With guys like White and Theo, these three guys we talked about, as though like they're in similar or different situations, but similar types of backs, right? So you're, yeah. you want either a guy to come compliment them as opposed to replace them and then move them as an RB2 versus, you know, keep the role that they have now. Rashad White is, is, like a better version of like Michael Carter last year at this time. Where we're really trying to paint ourselves a picture. He's running back 25 and in, in redraft right now. Mm-hmm. So he's right on the cusp of our, I, I think if you can move him and upgrade, like I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. And it's not easy, but if you can make that happen, I think it's a good time to do it because we really don't know what we have in white and in that offense and what ends up there. I traded I white, though. white in the one Oh seven for a one Oh two. That was a trade I really liked. I did that in FFPC League, a pretty high high dollar one. And Dan, I have trimmed some, but I just feel like I don't want to. I don't want to be. I want to have some exposure to him. I don't. He's not a kind of guy I want to cash out of everything. Um, now we're starting to get to a tier of guys that are a little sketchier. Uh, I think that yeah, one offense, to say the least, it's getting a little going to get a little skanky with some of the names we talk about <laughs> next. So this is a player who. Might be JD's favorite player in the NFL right now, Khalil Herbert. So they bring in Deonta Foreman to Chicago. Everyone is expecting a, including myself, is expecting a big step forward from the Chicago offense in year two with Eberflus. They have to at least improve. They can't be as bad as they were last year. Uh, your thoughts on Khalil Herbert, Jeremy? How you value him? Do you value him? And I'll just throw out a couple of picks here, guys. Chicago has the 53rd overall pick and the 61st overall pick. Danger zone right there for Khalil Herbert. Yeah, so I think Khalil Herbert's definitely going to not not be replaced, but he's definitely going to be supplemented. Um, they already tried. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say tried. They, they did. We don't know what Deontay Foreman's going to be, but Deontay Foreman's been pretty good the last two seasons since kind of returning off of the uh, injury, the Achilles injury. So, like, Foreman is not a easy guy to put away in this backfield. I think that Herbert and Foreman alone are kind of a split. Um, I think that the bears want to go with what they did with David Montgomery and Herbert last season. Maybe Herbert sees a little bit more close. Like maybe it's more 50, 50 and a less like what Herbert had last season. Um, but I do think that they're going to supplement him. And if they even go anywhere with a running back, there's real potential that 
Foreman probably loses the job before Herbert. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like Herbert's backfield. And if you're going to confine somebody in your league that values him as like the guy, um, I think you should be definitely cashing out. I, I enjoy Khalil Herbert. I just think that there is no way that the bears don't leave this draft with at least getting somebody at some point in this draft. And your hopes is that it is kind of like maybe that thumper role kind of to replace David Montgomery or Foreman. And you hope they don't go with like a all purpose guy with like a, a Banacanda or, um, you know, like a Evan Hall or somebody that can play all three downs. Then Herbert's really in trouble, you know, at least if they go with like a McBride or a, you know, Rodriguez or something that's like a thumper, then at least Herbert feels a little safer. But there's a good chance that they take somebody that really kills Herbert and Foreman altogether. It's the, it's the danger zone. And Foreman also, yeah. I think, beats up Herbert a little bit. Like, I got laughed at for saying this by some, you know, there's like Herbert stands. We we have JD, oh, yeah. who's one of them. But you have like the the, the Khalil Herbert people out there. And uh, Dan, I don't know, what, what would you pivot off of Herbert to? Or do you disagree with this and think Herbert might be a buy? No, I'd definitely be willing to pivot off of Herbert. Um, you know, what I'd pivot to, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I don't seven really... or Khalil Herbert. What's that? 207 or Khalil Herbert. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna take Herbert over the 207. Yeah. Okay. You know, just because he's, he's shown he could play in the NFL. 203. Uh, 203 is probably a lot closer. I'd say 201, 203, somewhere in there. Uh, just because Herbert's shown he can play. I think the main thing probably in in Herbert's favorite right now is that they did sign uh, Donta Foreman, and that kind of takes the pressure off him at running back a little bit. I think, you know, that way they go into the draft and they don't they don't feel like they have to do something early at running back or anything like that. I think, I, you know, I agree with Jeremy. I think they're going to address it, but, you know, it, 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 it may not be somebody who's an immediate uh, threat to Herbert. So, I you know, I, I still hold definitely hold out hope for Herbert uh, to have a decent role this year. Defend your boy, J.D. The, the only thing I need to defend is Khalil, the real deal, Herbert. I mean, it's just fun to say. But, guys, let, let's be honest, okay? If you have a dynasty team, you don't have Khalil Herbert as one of your top two running backs right now. If you do, you're making a mistake. If somebody's willing to pay that, you sell him. He's an RB4 comfortably on your dynasty team, could be an RB3. I love, like Dan said, that they brought in Foreman, not as much as a threat. Foreman's awesome, but let's face it, he's not going to be your, you know, he's not necessarily going to um, take over that backfield. It all depends what happens in the draft. What worries me is you've got to think that Chicago, with the moves that they've made and the commitment that, that they've made to Fields, that they're going to want to give him every possible opportunity, every possible weapon. And as much as Khalil gave us RB1 last year in Houston with two touchdowns, 169 yards and 31 points as the RB1, he's more of a guy that you're going to, you're not necessarily depending on week to week. So to me, that's how you manage him, depending on where, you, where he is on your roster and dynasty. If you can get value for him, right now is the time. In some of these best ball drafts, I do see him going a little earlier than I'm comfortable with. And for that reason, I don't have a lot of shares. One player who's interesting, James Conner. Because I think we've reached a point where we all realize that he's he's older and he doesn't have a whole lot of dynasty value. They have the lowest uh, the lowest uh, over under win wise 
in the entire NFL right now is Arizona. Jeremy, I'll, I'll repivot this question. Is James Conner the kind of guy that you want to kick the can at to try to get cheap, to get maybe some you know RB production, or is it take whatever you can get uh, Arizona is going to draft a running back in that you know second, third, fourth round and really give him problems. I think it depends where I am as far as like a dynasty team goes. Um, if I realized and I'm I'm at this point where I'm not really contending or I'm like a mid level team, I could look to see to dump Connor. But I could tell you right now, I bet on most dynasty streets out there, nobody's paying for James Connor. No one um, is. So you so you're getting pennies on the dollar at this point. So it's probably better just to hold them and hope that even if they do draft an early running back, they give him the veteran treatment where he gets that first crack at it. And he sees a majority of the touches for at least half the season gives you, you know, five, six good weeks. Then you put him on the bench and see potentially if there's an injury later down the season from the rookie or something like that, you could see him re resurface. Um, or maybe you can dump him mid season to a team. Um, once they see that, Oh, Hey, Connor's still holding out. And, I don't know what the role is going to be. I think they're going to be pretty run heavy. Um, I think you could see both Connor and whoever they bring in be useful, um, especially because I don't expect Murray to be ready week one. I expect Murray to be like half the season, if that, um, coming off of that ACL injury. So I think you're going to be seeing, I don't know, who's their backup at this point? Colt McCoy, right? Still, I think it's still McCoy. It's, they, they uh, actually they just, no, they just, uh, they just signed um, uh, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, they got uh, McCoy, they got Driscoll, they got Blow. Uh, Driscoll and Blow, yeah. McSorley yeah. signed he, elsewhere and McCoy's hurt. It's horrible. It's going to be either way. Either way, they aren't running the football. So um, they're going to be running pretty heavily. And I'm not afraid of Kootenai Ingram behind uh, James Conner as like a, another guy. So I think that I'd hold on to him just because his value is not there for Conner. Um, but I do think he gets replaced in this draft. You can kick the cans with a third. Some James Conner owner a manager might take that one. Dan, you you uh didn't make the bull bull case with James Conner, please. Yeah, let's let's end the slander now, please. Come on, uh, James Conner's definitely a buy. Uh, you know, you know what you're getting when you're buying him. You're not spending a lot to get him. Uh, what you're looking for is that Conner owner who's who's just kind of uh, you know got the fatigue. Uh, they're just trying to get rid of them, you know, uh, you know, as Jeremy was saying, kind of a, your, your team is mid-level and, and you want to, you want to move off of them and get what you can. That's, that's the kind of owner you're looking for to buy Connor from. Uh, but I, I really think, you know, Arizona has a ton of holes. I don't see them putting running back as a huge priority right now. If they're smart, they won't, uh, you know, again, expecting NFL teams to do smart things all the time. Uh, isn't necessarily the best way to go about it. But uh, if they are smart, they're not going to spend a ton on running back this year uh, in the draft or in free agency or anything else. Connor's proven, proven to be a really good running back. He can catch. He can, you know, he can run. He can do it all. And if you look at what happened when uh, Kyler Murray was out at the end of last year, Connor was stringing together running back one weeks, you know, just week after week after week. Uh, if I can get that kind of production for cheap in my dynasty lineup, I'm definitely doing it. So I, I've been buying uh, Connor pretty much everywhere this spring. Dan, we had a whole show about it. Absolutely. <laughs> Give us the trade you did, Dan, because I thought that was a fun one. The Montgomery and Connor trade. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or ballpark, uh, ballpark it if you don't have the details. Yeah. Um, hit JD. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that one up. 
JD, your thoughts on James Conner? Yeah, James Conner is the classic. Like, if you're if you're a contender, he's worth more on your bench or on your team than he is in a trade because he's. He, I mean, he's he's played 13 plus games four seasons, and three out of those four seasons, he's been a top 10 running back points per game. So, if you're contending, he's a no brainer. You want him on your team. Dan and I did a whole show about it, guys. Go check it out. The owners' lounge. Uh, we did we did a show on a trade that we specifically made. With I believe James Conner and the other one was um, uh, uh, Harris, Najee Harris. Yes, Najee uh, Harris. I believe he's in yeah. that episode. So we talk about a, a, a pretty big high stakes leagues that we're in with a bunch of sharks. Dan and I co own some teams, so we talk about that. But James Conner, if you can buy him as a contender, uh, what do you what are you going to pay at most? Like a mid mid second? I'll pay that. You say a third, but I'll pay a second for a James Conner. I right think now. you can get him. I yeah. think you'll get him. You'll get him for a two ten. And yeah, the yeah, and then and then if you go into the season with him because you think you're going to do well, and then your team for whatever reason doesn't do well, and he's producing, he's a piece you can sell to one of those contending teams halfway through the season or more towards the back end of the season, and you can make up whatever value that you you know you're not able to get now at that point. Tyler Algier was a oh, fantastic what? story last year for Atlanta. Helped people win fantasy leagues down the stretch. He was. I think Dan, Dan, did you get your trade? I did. And maybe, oh, we, maybe we can do a quick plug yeah. uh, to our buddies uh, after that. Yeah, sure. Let, we'll finish Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier goes over 1,000 yards, finishes the year well. It, it's danger zone time. Jeremy, danger your zone. thoughts on, on Tyler Algier? How long does he survive the draft? Does he at least make it to – does he make it through day one and day two? Or is he going to get dusted in the first round with Bijan? You, you know, you led into that. I think you follow me on Twitter. Um that's no, the spot. Think, They're the donkey franchise that would spend a top ten pick on a running back. They want to run a guy into the ground. It's the it's the easiest easiest layup there is. I've been saying it since like January. I've been like, there's just something that's telling me in the back of my head that Arthur Smith's gonna be like, you know what? I want Bijan Robinson at eight. Let's do it. So outside of maybe a quarterback falling to them, I think Bijan's at eight, and I think unfortunately Tyler Algier is gonna be dusted. Um I kind of said it last year when Tyler Algier landed there. Um, I liked Tyler, Tyler Algier, um, but I felt like he was kind of a one-year rental um, as, yeah. as well as like a, a cheap third-round one-year rental that could be potentially really good in 2023 or 2022, and he was. He was good, and then be easily replaced this coming year just from this class. Um, obviously, if they make it past Bijan, I'm less worried um, because of just how – Atlanta and Arthur Smith run their backfield. We saw it, him, Patterson, um, what would they have Olsen rolled through there. They had a ton of guys that were producing some points here and there. Um, so if he makes it past day one and Bijan isn't the guy that's there, um, I would feel better. Um, but I do really think that Bijan's going to be the guy that they take at eight. So yeah, I'm Cody, saying he's Cody, Cody Carpenter now is projecting him to go there to Atlanta in this latest mock. Um, but yeah, it's, I've moved, like, I, I didn't have the stomach for it. I had a Tyler Algier helped me on a number of teams last year. I moved every, every share I had. He was the classic kind of guy that I, you package with other assets to make the trade look good. Um, you know, I packaged him maybe three times in FFPC leagues and I'm glad that I don't have to sit there worrying on draft night. Dan, pour one out for Tyler Algier or make a bull case. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'll, I'll pour one out. I, I think if he makes it to day three and they still haven't drafted a running back, then he's probably okay. But um, 
I, I feel pretty strong if they if they don't get Bijan, they're probably going to do something on day two. So uh, I'd, I'd be moving him. Um, yeah. JD, anything, anything to add about Algier? Yeah, no, I mean, if you can move him now, that's, that's, that's the play either way. I mean, how much more is his value going to go up? Even if Al, Algier was drafted in what the fifth, right? Fifth round NFL, pick. Yep. NFL yep fifth. Always... It, it, that's, that's, that's an easy running back to try to move off of anytime, anytime that you've gotten whatever you spent on him in a rookie pick back, you know, just. Which was the same with Herbert, right? With a sixth yeah. rounder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, basically you got production out of him last year. You got utility out of him, and you can move him for probably as much as you spent, maybe more. Why not just go ahead and do that? Uh, you know, J.D. and I did the same thing uh, kind of with Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Yep. Guys, go check that out. That's another Owner's Lounge. Great episode. Shout out to the Owner's Lounge, and shout out to your your Pacheco trade was a nice trade. I saw that one. Um Brian, Brian Robinson, guys, third-round pick, Ron Rivera favorite. We have a new offensive coordinator in town in Eric Bieniemy. This is another team, Jeremy, that Las Vegas considers to be one of the teams in the mix for Bijan. Do you have any confidence in Brian right now? Oh, I think I think Robinson just got shot in the leg again. No. <laughs> <laughs> um not really. I love Brian Robinson to begin with. Um, I feel like he's kind of an early down, get you what's there type of running back. Um, I My real hope is I think that Antonio Gibson's yeah. the guy you want out of this backfield. I don't think they take Bijan John Robinson. Um, I just don't see it. Uh, I think that they kind of roll with Robinson and maybe Gibson, and I'm hoping that the enemy brings what they saw with JD McKissick and KC at the end of the season. And Gibson kind of starts to see a lot of the touches, um, not necessarily touches, but like just plays out of the backfield. And if you're playing in PPR, which most are, that's going to be great. Um, I mean, Robinson may see the red zone work because he's a little bit more sure handed, doesn't have the fumble issues that Gibson's had, but I was never in on him. Um, I don't think he's in danger as far as the draft goes. I think he's just in danger for the pure fact that Gibson's still there. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Gibson has been a guy I've been trying to kick the tires on to try to get more of. Um, I'm hoping the enemy can can really unlock him. Dan, any hope for for Brian Robinson at all? Yeah, we have to hope that the new owners of the Redskins realize that uh, Rivera is a farce and get rid of him because he's about <laughs> the only thing propping up Robinson's value. It's going to be Eric Bieniemy by like game six. They'll yeah. start out the year please. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, they, they, basically, they hired a head coach in waiting right there. You know, just in case the new owner wants to make a move. The commanders. Yeah. The commanders. And then they gave yes. Sam Howell, too. They're like, yeah, here. I, I think the enemy is going to love having a guy like Gibby. And Dan and I, I think we have him on a lot of teams. I know I've got him on a lot of dynasty teams. I've been drafting him in these drafts over Robinson, not ahead of him necessarily, because I think Robinson actually goes a bit ahead. But uh, you you said everything I was going to say, Jeremy. I love that. I love Gibby in this offense, and I love the enemy in there. Uh, maybe mixing things up yeah and it, apologies yes it is the commanders i'm i'm old it's after eight o'clock i'm sundowning what, what did you call them I, they, I think i called them the redskins yeah all right nice <laughs> the javante williams guys this has been a javante williams was worth more when he went right down with an injury and it's been a continual drip slow drip of of losing value in dynasty 
is Javante Williams so beat up that he's he's a dynasty buy, or is this a player you should try to rid your dynasty rosters of uh, based on the the loss of value and the new coaching staff and all the other factors? Jeremy, how do you view Javante Williams right now? So I don't think 2023 is going to be his year. Um, yeah. I don't think we see a lot of Javante in 2023. With that being said, I do think that in 2024 we could see a bounce back. Um, I like him still. I think he should still be a buy, buy into this dip. Um, but just know what you're getting into. Um, you're not getting a guy for 2023. You're getting a guy for 2024. Um, but I like him. I think he's not necessarily Alvin Kamara, um, but he has showed a lot of good traits as far as a pass catching back out of the backfield. He showed, obviously, the ability to break tackles, bounce off tacklers, just be an absolute animal out there um so for me i think that peyton's gonna like that i do think that denver brings somebody in this in this draft i will say that um they kind of already supplemented it with samaj p ryan um and i think that's more of just a kind of a one-year rental style so i think denver could wait um either that or they might bring in somebody that's kind of like a Devin a chain a tyler's or tajay spears somebody in that type of role um but I still really like Javante. He was young to begin with when he came into the, the league. He's going to have just one year of kind of recovery, and then 2024 he should be back and going. Is he going to have a lead role? No, but Dan touched on it earlier. Most of the NFL nowadays is kind of a running back by committee, so I'm fine with that. Um, and I think that now is probably a decent time to buy him, but I was kind of going to wait till after the draft. If they draft somebody, I think Javante is going to just continue to kind of plummet and I'm going to try and take advantage of it then. I We we moved him down in our rankings on player profiler, but he's still like RB18-ish. Uh, he is, we talked about the Sonic Truth pod about how he's a great, great target for productive struggle teams who can just sit on him for an entire year. His situation is slightly like when ETN had the big injury, you saw how low he went in startups because people knew they wouldn't have him for a year. I think you treat Javante Williams like that. Treat him like he's not going to play at all this year. If I'm a big-time contender in roster, I will consider flipping Javante Williams because I want to have live bodies that I can use this year. But if I'm not that, I, I'm, I'm, I think that he's reached a point that you can, you can go and get him. Dan? Uh, when he got injured last year, I got off immediately. I pivoted over to uh, CMC. And, you know, that was the time to move was right after the injury. If you if you had him at this point, I'm not touching Javante with a 10 foot pole. Um, I don't really have any rosters that are, you know, like in the total rebuild stage yeah. where I'd really even consider rostering him at this point. So uh, I'm, I'm just not touching him. I'm definitely not touching him in any sort of uh, redraft situation, best ball, any of that. And uh, in Dynasty, I just, you know, I, I, I there are just other bets I would rather make than a guy who's just completely wrecked his knee. JD, your thoughts on Javante? Are there any rosters that you have right now that, that you would want to support Javante Williams, especially FFPC where you have the roster restrictions? No, I, I think the time to sell Javante was when we were drafting best balls, like early, earlier in the season, February ish, uh, when Javante was going in the earlier rounds. Now he's been falling. So to me, the best ball is always a nice gauge for dynasty values. That's kind of, I use that for my trades and you're seeing him drop and it's all about that recency bias, right? We haven't seen him do all the things that he did in 2021 that got us so excited. 
this guy was almost a top 12 in a lot of the stats that Jeremy talked about and a catch rate, juke rate. Uh, so when he's healthy, he's good. But to me, the time to sell him is past. So I'd probably hold him unless I could package him and, you know, maneuver something good. Uh, otherwise, you wait till, you know, you, you guys know as well as I do. You're going to see like an Instagram or something about him on a treadmill. That's when you sell him if you have him and you and you don't want to hold him. Otherwise, like you guys said, he's a perfect like, you know, you if you're flopping next year, your team's not good enough to contend. He's a perfect guy to go get between now and I think we're already close to the bottom. He might go down a bit more as we forget about him and maybe they draft a guy like Jeremy says. But I think you can go out and buy him now and, and feel good about it. I moved him in the 109 for a 103 in a league, and I moved him with Muth to get Hawkinson in a tight end premium, which I like that one. And yeah, I like that a lot. That's that's what I mean by pairing it up and up. That's beautiful. Sorry, Dan, I mean to cut you off. I got excited about that one. No, I thank you, Dan. Thank you, JD. I appreciate that. And then I guys, I wanted to talk about one running back who might get traded during the NFL draft. I think there's a number of rumors here about Dalvin Cook possibly being moved. Jeremy, is there a landing spot where he could actually gain value or is it pretty much all downhill from the cushy confines of Minnesota? Hmm. I would say, yeah. I mean, I think there's plenty of spots out there. Um, I'm going to say my bills as well. Why not let him play with his brother? You know what I'm saying? That would be great. Um, I think just getting to maybe it's tough. I mean, Minnesota scored a decent amount of points last year, so it's hard to say a more explosive offense. Um, but, yeah, landing in a spot like, you know, maybe Buffalo, maybe Cincinnati chooses to reach out and kind of get more of that veteran type of role back there if something happens with Joe Mixon or maybe they decide to go a different route. Or I know there's a lot of talk with Miami. Like, Miami to me would be a downgrade. I don't love him in Miami. I just don't think they they preface it, the Miami, like, I don't think they preface it, the running back enough that he would be, like, uber fantasy relevant. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I would think that for me, they're a little bit too pass heavy. And as far as like their running backs go, they'd still use probably Wilson and still use Mostert. So like cook to Miami, like I don't love it. I don't think it would help them. I think him staying in Minnesota would be better that way. Um, but yeah, it really, I think there's not many, but there's a couple, like I said, I think the bills could be a lateral move. I think Cincinnati could be interesting. Um, yeah, Arizona, I guess, maybe playing with Connor or something. I mean, maybe. But, again, I, I don't know a team that's really contending that would really – I mean, Philadelphia, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that trade happens. I, that. Um, I feel like they're going to go somewhere with a running back, whether that's bring somebody in or draft one. I, I know they brought Penny in, but, like, we all know how Rashad Penny goes. So, maybe. That would be interesting. It just came to my head. I was, I'm thinking they're late in the first. You know, maybe they'll trade that and get – Dalvin Cook and say, hey, let's actually go win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, it's I think it's it's hard because I think a lot of the places he might he might end up, it it would be even like a slight committee. And Mm -hmm. you don't know how he's going to correlate there. Minnesota is just such a such a prime landing spot for for running back. Um, yeah, I think we'll be really excited if Minnesota drafts a running back. I think that's an easy spot to get excited about. Dan, that's your team. Maybe your thoughts on Dalvin Cook. And what direction Minnesota is going to go in? Yeah, I think Minnesota would like to get rid of that salary. Um, you know, I think they like Cook as a player, but the salary is pretty untenable. So I I do think they are going to look to move him. You know, the the thing is, is you got to try to find the intersection of a team that's really you know can use him 
and also has the, the cap space. Like Miami is really tight on cap space right now. And as Jeremy said, I'm not sure it's the best fit anyway. So, you know, I would... I, I wouldn't want to see him there. Buffalo, I think, is is great. They've they've got six point one million in cap space. You know, they could free up some more money. I'm sure, make him fit. The Bengals could definitely make him fit. They've got currently seventeen point five million in cap space. Um, a couple that weren't mentioned yet: the Rams, uh, ten point one million in cap space. I mean, we know they love nothing better than uh, buying older players and spending money. So you know, why not? Uh, they they just got rid of Allen Robinson, so they got that money's burning a hole in their pockets. And then uh, what would be really interesting would be the Chiefs. They they've only oh. got four point eight million in room, so it would be uh, it would be a tough fit. But man, oh man, imagine Dalvin on the Chiefs. That would be something. Break fantasy Twitter if that happens <laughs> over the overdraft weekend. Uh, JD, your thoughts on Dalvin Cook? Any spots you'd be excited about, or is it all kind of a downgrade? No, you guys touched on it. I mean, maybe maybe it's just him, right? Like, you got to look at 2022. He had very similar numbers to 2021. He played four more games, you know, uh, about 250 rush attempts, 1,100-ish rush yards, 4.4 and 4.7 yards per carry, and then 30-ish reception. So very similar stats, more touchdowns last year. And the RB14, RB9 prior to that, he gave us those two back-to-back RB2 seasons. So maybe a guy like Dalvin could use a bit of a scenery change in order to shake things up and get him uh, back on track as a top, top running back. But I think it's all about expectations now when you're drafting him, when you're trading for him. What's your expectation? What is he going to produce for your your fantasy team next year? Are you a contender? Obviously, you're not going to go get Dalvin. But if you're holding him and you're not a contender, I wouldn't trade him now. I would wait to see, you know, when the hype is there, when he lands somewhere nice or he resigns with Minnesota. That's when I try to sell uh, Dalvin if I'm holding him now and I don't think I want to hold him. So we hit an hour. Uh, so I want to get one more running back in uh, for, for Jeremy to, to discuss. Saquon Barkley had a massive rebound last season. He returned value for dynasty managers, redraft managers. In fact, the, the, the shout-out to Pat Corain shipped the $2 million on underdog with a, with a Saquon Barkley, Aston Eckler team. How are we treating him as a dynasty asset right now? He got franchised by New York, but it's not going to be a long-term contract. Is Saquon a guy that you are comfortable with for like a three-year window? Yeah, so when I play Dynasty, I try to keep it that two- to three-year window. I mean, we're all here really to win. Like, I don't like giving away money. So um, I try to win, so I don't want to, like, just build a super young team that's going to take five, six years to really benefit from. So for me, I'm still in on Saquon. I I think the questions really come, like, does he play? Um, I know there's rumors that he didn't want to go to or didn't attend their uh, optional minicamp or whatever they had this spring. So I don't think that there's necessarily a downgrade. I think he went to the best place. Um, So for me, I think that being in New York was best for Saquon. I don't want him anywhere else because there is little competition. Even if they add somebody, I doubt they're going to go super early because they have so many needs elsewhere Um, on a team that got the best out of their players and made the playoffs. Why not go and fill out the rest of your team with the picks you've got? You've already got a really good running back, if not great running back in the backfield. Um, And I think he's just going to see a ton of volume. Uh, I don't think they can address every single need they need at wide receiver in this draft. So he's still going to see heavy usage in the passing game. It's still Daniel Jones back there. So 
Um, for me, I really like him in New York, and I, I know that there's some uncertainty around long-term, but I'm still getting at least a year, and then from there we can kind of go and argue what we do with him next year. But if he turns in another good this year, year this year, I can guarantee you he's going to be worth more next year in the offseason no matter where he goes. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of into – holding on to Saquon slash acquiring him um, if somebody's not asking an, an astronomical amount for him. Yeah, I, I think I'm on the, the Saquon as a buy as well. And I agree with you that he showed so much last year and we have a lot of confidence in that Giants offense getting better this year with Brian Dable year two. I think that Saquon, even if he's not a Giant in two years, he's still young enough that I think he's going to sign a nice contract with somebody else. Uh, Dan, are you on that train with Saquon? Yeah, I'm definitely in on Saquon. Um, you know, obviously, if you're if you're not a contender this year or next year, uh, your best move is probably going to be to sell him uh, and and get peak value right now. But if you're contending at all, uh, he's a great piece to have. I'm going to disagree, guys. I, I'm all about the two to three years in dynasty at the running back position. I'm going year by year. And if you don't want the guy that's going in one of the top two rounds right now in, in best balls in redraft on your dynasty team, if you're contending, you don't know how to play fantasy. You need to either change games or watch more go district because these are the guys that help you win leagues. You know, so if you're contending, you're moving guys like Barkley, JT, Eckler, yeah, they're getting old, but you don't play running back. You don't invest in a running back to come carry your team for 10 years, five years. You should play running back year to year. Your running back is like redraft. In my, That's how I play it anyways. Obviously, yep. you've got the values that are attached to their dynasty values, and it's based on more long term. But if you play properly and you've got the proper builds and you're honest with yourself about where your team is, if you're contending, man, you want all the – all the Barkley this year, all the Eckler, all the, all the JTs, especially if you can get them at a discount because of their age. Let's not forget, guys, we lost two seasons with, with Barkley, right? We saw that with I, Dalvin, and Dalvin made up those two years. Uh, yeah, and I, I've done some stuff, like, just looking back at past top 12 finishes and stuff like that, and, like, in PPR leagues and stuff, uh, most running backs, like, the running back position, the top 12 doesn't really – yearly at least like the the yearly totals there isn't as much turnover as you would really think like there's like eight guys that kind of stick around at least in the past couple seasons um and then there's really only four spots for new players to kind of break in and saquon's been one of those guys obviously he had the injuries where he was out of but you know you're getting those saquons the cmc the eckler the aaron jones like those guys stick around as far as season long scoring goes and like you said, JD, like obviously it's it's yearly probably with running backs is probably a better way to look at it. Um, because ultimately we never know. Look at Tyler Algier, you know, look at these guys that are gonna potentially be replaced. Tony Pollard had a big year, could see him get replaced. Travis Etienne, like the guys we talked about all episode, like there's nothing that says they aren't gonna get replaced, at least supplemented to affect that they're no longer that top ten asset we thought they were going to be for the next two or three years. Deal. Let me let me do a quick plug, and then you can decide if we're we invite Jeremy back to redo the second part of your <laughs> Red Bull uh, backed uh, show sheet. Or no, what, we'll, why don't you give we'll, us your we'll, thoughts before we do the plug? No, it's uh no. This was this was awesome tonight. I I underestimated how much I could put on the show sheet, but I think we hit the most important position, and and I'm really excited that we had Jeremy on tonight. Um, I forgot Jeremy, to record in three 
times three. That's what I forgot. We weren't going fast enough. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> what was and, and Jeremy? Why don't you tell everybody? Just remind everybody once again where they can find your stuff. Yeah, uh, any written and uh, work or rankings and stuff like that is over at ftnfantasy.com. Um, additionally, you can find me on Twitter at popesffh. Um, I post pretty much mostly stuff on there, uh, rookie threads, stuff like that is kind of what I'm rolling through now. Um, and then, like I said, the FTN Dynasty podcast is over on mostly all platforms. You can check that out. We've kind of we're going pretty heavy on episodes now. We'll probably slow down once after the draft and kind of get some of these landing spots and stuff like that. We'll probably slow down and do a couple episodes a week. So, and Jeremy, do you guys have any any early discounts um, so they can read your your good work over there at FTN? Yeah, at, it's yearly all the time. Um, you can use Pope P O P E is twenty percent off the subscription. Um, I don't know if we have anything else going on early might work for 25 percent off the platinum package um that's going to get you um access to pretty much everything and anything ftn fantasy that's stats my articles jeff radcliffe scott spratt all the guys over at ftn um and it also gets you jeff radcliffe's rookie guide so that's a plus two but it's only on the platinum package so that's depending on how much you want to spend jeremy i've been meaning to ask you all show so before we before we cut this, do you have any concerns with all this Josh Allen's gibberish that he talked about in an interview, or you know how he's got to start running less and that kind of stuff? Do you have any concerns with uh, Josh Allen's value right now in Dynasty? No, they do that every year. It's always go by every off season. Go every by. off season, yeah. Every off season is just like Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Yeah, Josh Allen's got to run less than the first week of the game is like thirty. <laughs> So. It's easier to keep your it's easier to keep your job when you're yeah. having the best quarterback in football, you know, besides and, Mahomes. Do his yeah, thing. and I could see his rushing go down a little bit, but it's going to be more in like the middle of the field. They're still going to use him in the red zone. So, hundred percent. Right, I yeah. I don't I'm not too worried. Who who do you want them to bring in, Jeremy, from the draft? I want to see Josh Downs or Jordan Addison or JSN if he falls. I want a slot guy. They need one. Um, I like Gabe Davis and all, but he kind of wasn't what we hoped for i think and he kind of he's kind of a field stretcher what i expected him to be but they really need a guy in the slot i mean when you're trying to bring cole beasley back um after you know being retired for half or eight weeks of the season um there's definitely a need there and i really like josh downs um say flowers any of those guys those quick quick release type of guys um i think will be a real benefit to josh that's where we saw some of the best of his when beasley was more towards his prime than what we have seen in the last couple of seasons so get some pressure off Diggs and open up that offense a little real, real quick. Are you uh, concerned about Diggs at all? Uh, being a malcontent shall, shall we say? I don't think so. I, I think it's just, um, it's a lot of frustration. You know, it's another team that's kind of been, it's been there. They've been close. They've been closer. And then it just kind of seems like everything. And then this year was one of those years. It just kind of fell off the rails, you know, like that last game with Cincinnati, Cincinnati came in and just, smack the teeth off of them you know like i was watching that game and like i love the bills and i know they can come back but like once cincinnati scored that second touchdown and the way that that offense was looking and everything it was just kind of like oh boy we're in for a long day so i think it was just pure frustration of like how they lost that game and everything and i think Diggs will be fine i think you see him come back i think the bills kind of start out pretty good again add some help in there with the receiver room and kind of just open it up i mean teams were able to like triple quadruple cover digs and you know at what point and josh getting to the point where he's not just just going to throw into quadruple coverage he's going to try and 
spread it around. So I think we see a little bit better. I think Dorsey, his first year, kind of struggled a little bit. So hopefully that is, as general, the whole offense hopefully gets a little bit better um, and a little bit more efficient and kind of gets past that. I felt like last year there was a little bit too much of, hey, Josh, go make a play or let's throw a 50-yard bomb. Like, they didn't have that underneath game, and that's really where I want to see, you know, whether that's James Cook or that's one of these rookies, like we would mentioned, Josh Downs, Plow, or something like that, to kind of help them get that 5- to 10-yard offense back that they were so good at in the years past that they kind of abandoned last season. So. I like it. There's your uh, Bills Mafia take right there that's uh, that's beautiful man like we I, I mean i'm in toronto so i love watching the bills man you grew up watching them so as much as i'm a colts fan i always cheer for the bills yeah, they're an easy team to cheer for you know yeah i yeah. feel like especially when Diggs is Diggs is one of my favorite players so it's kind of hard yeah. to not, not like him dan yeah uh you and i are coming off a couple uh big drafts we did the we talked about it earlier we did one of the last never too early ffpc for 25k 125 buy-in best ball tourney last night go check that out guys dan and i did a underdog super flex recently go check that out on the show um for sure for sure make sure you're, you're following jeremy if you're not already at pope's ffh theo what do we have coming up what do you have coming up i think you're doing what 32 hours a day of potting and streaming. So, what, what so I would appreciate if you guys, you, we talked uh, about some of the rookie running backs. We had Dwayne McFarlane on First Class Fantasy yesterday with Billy Muzio and I. Uh, and then we had Jared Smola on today on First Class Fantasy. And then we dropped um, our Sonic Truth podcast uh, mock draft special. We did a super flex tight end premium mock draft. Uh, we had a bunch of people. Scott Connor was on there. Uh, we had Jax Falcone on there. Uh, our, our boy Memphis Young was on there. Uh, Cody Carpenter was on there with, with Matt and Alan and myself. So we're putting out a lot of stuff. And then, yeah, I'm heading to KC next week. And the GOAT District will be on the Player Profiler YouTube channel next Wednesday night, first of many Wednesdays, with Matt Hicks, where you guys are going to be talking up a lot of these prospects. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, totally looking forward to it. Guys, check us out on Player Profiler Network. Um We'll tweet everything out. It'll yep. be it'll be all ready to find, but uh, that's going to be 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock every single Wednesday night. The Good District's going to be bringing on great guests. There's going to be the four of us, the three of us, um, and we're going to be getting after it, putting out amazing content, and it's going to be a really, really fun summer in the district. And then look for J.D. and Dan with the Owner's Lounge. Look for your ball and shows. Um, you're basically going to be having to check out JD's links because Go District's going to be in a lot of places. Guys, winning fantasy football content. We're here to help you guys win, whether it's best ball, dynasty, redraft. You're going to crush your leagues if you follow us all offseason. You see guys like Jeremy come on our show on the regular. This show is brought to you by the FFPC. Guys, that's where we play. That's our fantasy land playground. Right now, you could play for a million dollars six million dollars in prize pool the early bird promo you get a free 35 dollar credit if you register between or sorry by june 1st and draft by the 15th of june that's with three entries guys it's a great tournament i believe it's 350 the buy-in you've got dynasty startups starting from a hundred dollars you've got best ball tournament guys 35 dollar buy-ins for 50 genos fifty thousand dollars super flex best ball tournament at myffpc.com you've got the main event for a million dollar grand prize 
Theo, Dan, and Andrew, and myself are going to be in Vegas drafting our main event entry, one of them. And then, of course, you've got the Dynasty Orphans. Check it out, myffpc.com, guys. There's a link below. Use the code GOAT if you're first time on the site. The chat was rocking tonight. We love all you guys. Harry Snowman, 1912, all you guys, you know who you are. We appreciate you guys joining us tonight. We'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. We gotta get back for uh, part two, Jeremy. That uh, Theo's got a whole. Yes. He's got a whole like. Uh, was it back we in the go day? Part, it, we gotta go part two with uh, with Jeremy just to get through the entire show sheet. We didn't. Yes. We didn't hit all, even the dynasty pivots. But this, this is like the Britannica Encyclopedia Britannica edition of the show sheet, Dan. <laughs> Showing my age on that one. No, that was yeah. fun, guys. That was a that was a really fun show. Yeah, fun definitely. show, guys. That was fun.